The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. This week's episode is dedicated to boldly going beyond your comfort zone. The title of this episode is, Technically Speaking, You Are the Creator of Your Own Development, or alternative topic title, How to Code for Your Own Life. (laughs) This is my interview with Alexandra Holine. As Sponsorship and Engagement Manager at ADA Developers Academy, Alexandra Holine works to develop economic empowerment for those who are underrepresented in the tech industry. Holine grew up partly in Louisiana and partly in Washington State, two very different parts of the country, this giving her early insight into how race and gender can play out in very different environments. As an undergraduate, she majored in American and Ethnic Studies. She later pursued a Master of Arts in Cultural Studies, giving her a unique lens through which to evaluate the tech industry's progress on diversity, equity, and inclusivity. She employs this perspective in her role to change the narrative of the narrative of technology's current code to include a variety of shades, experiences, cultures, and identities. She joins me via StreamYard today to discuss the diversification of the tech industry's own code, economic empowerment, and culture. Welcome, Alexandra. Congratulations on your success. And thank you for becoming a beautiful member of the Forever Fab community. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate such it. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. And I have so many. Such a pleasure to be forever, to be thought of a forever fab. I yes, love this. Thank you. you are. <laughs> you are. As I tell, you know, Macy and the one of one production team, you know, yes. these interviews are curated, highly curated, as one of my friends uh, who's a party planner says, ruthlessly curated. So you make it fun. (laughs) So tell me, tell me, tell me, Ms. Alexandra, you grew up, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, partly in Louisiana, is it? And then partly in Washington State. So you've actually, as you were growing up, experienced two, if I may add, very different parts of the country that you said gave you some perspective. So how did growing up in two different parts of the country and your experiences in both of those, you know, states give you some Mm -hmm. perspective or inform how it is that you get along in the world? Yeah, thank you. Um, I will try to keep it to a minimum back here. I do have a three-year-old child. And that's life. Congratulations. My partner is going to pull that person away. Um, <laughs> Maybe we'll get to see him a little later. Oh, we'll do a little cameo. Yes. 
Baby Nico does love a cameo. I love um, that. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing um, this up. I love, this is a really, I think, um, interesting part of my background. I don't think a lot of people got to have this background. I was raised in half, part, part of my life was the deep South in a rural town in Louisiana called Independence, Louisiana. This town, our average um, household income there is, you know, $21,000 $21, a year for a household. Wow. And, you know, education system, you know, it's Louisiana and Mississippi are usually battling for those bottom two um, <laughs> rows. And, that was it. You know, yeah. my parents were the people that my dad talks about hating integration yes. when they started integrating the schools. He was saying, you know, that used to be the black school. And I loved going to that black school because yes. those black teachers cared about us. Right. Um, and then when they integrated the schools, like what it really meant for him to now be a minority in his classroom. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and then growing up in this, you know, Tacoma, Washington, if very you know different. It, you know it. Very different. We are. I think this was the first time I saw um, affluent, middle, upper class Black folks in my whole life, and it was. Um, but still being a part of a community that wasn't, you know, I mean, that I wasn't fully a part of. I never felt part of, like really a part of either community. Um, but I got to experience what deep South poverty is. Like yeah. so poor, you don't even know your poor poverty because you don't know anything outside of it. And the other side of it where, you know, the Pacific Northwest, the Great Migration, the place where Black folks came to get out of that Southern um, squalor, or I mean, it's, I'm going to call it I'll call it life, that Southern yeah. life yeah. that was deeply, deeply um, rooted in pushing you down. Yeah. Um, uh, but the Pacific Northwest, which was like, you know, it was the the world was your oyster. You you could um you could get that scholarship. You can go to that college. It's not going to be crazy. Yes. Um, so growing so up, you in went both from of a place places, of restriction yeah. to opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, and um and just a bigger world. Mm. You know, I my whole you weren't traveling the world unless you were in the military in my oh, family. Yeah. And I, at a young age, I was, you know, I told my dad I wanted to go to Europe. Who the hell's going to Europe, Alex? <laughs> I, my dad's like, I'm not going over there. I don't want to see what I got to do with them white folks is the exact word I heard from him. Um, and I was like, I just, I want to go. I want to see what it is over there that the, all my white friends are going to Europe with their families. I want to see the fact that, you know, I was even in that room to hear that moment of like, oh, my parents are bringing me to Italy. Or yeah. I'm like, oh, so I know what Italy is now. So I'm going to yes. figure out how to get my butt over to Italy yes. one day, you know? <laughs> and so that moments of like bringing in really cool, being able to just like, and to reach that back, back to where I was from. To tell, to show my nephews, my nieces, my cousins, hey, software development is a job. Mm. Hey, people getting paid out here as executive assistants, like sixty thousand dollars. Hey, you don't have to be a call center person. There is other jobs for you. You can put your, you know, your professional voice on somewhere else. You know, yeah. so in just really being able to like find these resources, but be able to give them back to my community as much as possible. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it sounds really it sounds like point. it actually sounds like, you know, a gift to be able to have those two perspectives and again have them inform how it is that you developed your own perspectives on race and gender and how those two topics subjects, you know, mm -hmm. just play out in the entire world. So give me some more um 
insight about race and gender and how how you were brought up helped yeah. you to manage the conversations or be part of the conversations that were sometimes being had probably in your absence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was... I I think I started to get my sort of confidence to write my own story and to be um, who I just really felt true to be after I had probably, I think after I got my master's, mm. I think the conversations, you know, I would be up here in the, in the, in the North and people would be like, oh, you talk funny. You have an accent. <laughs> I go down to Louisiana. They'd be like, you talk like a white girl. Oh my I'd hear <laughs> You've heard it. I'm sure you've heard every ball, you know, yeah. you talk, you talk proper, you talk like a white girl. And that I remember the first time my dad had said something like, oh yeah, you know, um, Amber got that good hair. And <laughs> I just was like, let me, let me just go ahead and just like flex on him. I was like, tell me what good hair means. Mm. Tell me why you think this is good hair and this is bad. And he was like, Alex, I do not need your education over here. I was like, yes, but you are instilling this into our children and into our, like, you know, I went straight up. Like I just got, you know, my first master's degree. I was like, I'm about to tell him. Um, And that to me was when I really start to stand in my own power of who I am as a Mm. person. What I know is right about, I don't have to prove my blackness or my womanness or my, if, you know, at times my non-binary, my non-binary self to anyone. It is who I am as a person deeply. And I walk in it every day. Um, And so that always felt like my, um, when I was able to really own who I was as a person and say that, listen, I'm going to put out me. And if you don't like me, that's okay. Right. But I'm just going to keep on putting out me. And that's all I, cause that's all I know how to do. You know, yes. I can't stand up for any, I can't stand and be anything else. So yeah. And you, and you do you flawlessly. Right. I mean, you, sh- right. That's what I tell people. <laughs> like, best at it. Do it. So yeah, it feels good. Now let's talk a little bit about your master's degree. You have decided to study cultural studies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you pretty much were essentially um, researching and studying uh, space, uh, place, um, diversity, and how different groups of people and different communities relate to all of those things. Yep. So now, how did you how did you decide to study cultural studies? And the second part of that question is, how did the study of cultural studies help you in your current role awesome in the tech industry hello 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 um i i decided so i was in um i did technical recruiting before i started so i was always in and around sort of and and i'd worked in a few tech companies i'd been around the like money that mm. flies in and out of the door. Okay. And I just was, I, and I look, I would look around and just realize, I remember my mom came to my work one day and she was like, mom, my mom looks at me. She goes, are you the only, and she like rubs her hand. I don't know <laughs> if your mom's ever done this, but rub, and I was like, yeah. And I was the only one. And the people I was, rec- I was recruiting for internship positions, making, you know, 6K a month as an intern as your junior year in college. Wow. I was like, what is this? And I, I needed to go and figure out like, how did this um, hierarchy happen? Why am I the only one in this office? Mm. Why is the only people I'm talking to Mm -hmm. are white dudes, 
white women, Asian dudes, Asian. Why, why is this happening? So that's why I wanted to go back to really understand the dynamics that put us where we are. I, I, I knew them, my parents, I knew them, I knew what racism was, but, and, and where I can really, um, influence those dynamics. Where is the crack in the system where I can like make a difference? Yes. And that's what brought me to Ada. The crack that I found that made a difference, um, was economic agency. Mm. It was putting money in the hands because money's power. Yes. Money, I mean, it can get you very, very far. It can't get you all the way. I mean, we right. still have, you know, black judges getting accused of breaking into their own homes, but it gets <laughs> you very, very far. Right. And that gives you a lot of power and agency in this world that we live in, in, in America. So yes. it was after that, okay, how do I get women, um, specifically black brown, trans, indigenous women mm -hmm. into tech. And that's what brought me to Ada. I had a, um, one of my mentors that I had been chatting with for a long time and worked at with the company before, was on the board of Ada. Um, and I found this place and it was all about always, always economic agency. I love tech. I love the tech industry. I love being a part of this industry, but the paycheck that these students get and the money and the agency they get out of this program mm. was the thing that like lit me on fire. Like I was like, yes, and I will, I'm going to go beyond, like I have to be a part of it. Yes. Um, and that's how I came to ADA. So is this pursuit of economic agency for all, like equal, you know, Full yeah. equilibrium for all people. Is that what you say? Would would you say that that is what drives you? That is your, you know, your passion. Is that yeah. is the economic agency, um, be, and having that be accessible to all, especially underprivileged, underrepresented people. Yeah. Is that sort of what fuels your purpose? Mm -hmm. That's it. And it came directly from where I came from. Mm. I see that when you do not have, when you are living paycheck to paycheck, I that burden that lifts off of specifically for me, Black women and Black trans women, when it gets lifted off of them and the that moment after, that beauty after of like, I like, I like to do yoga. Yeah. I love to do blank. When you're yeah. not thinking, and when you're like, I don't need to be in this relationship. Mm. I don't need to live in this town. You know, that power that you get in this system is my beating, my passion. It's what I feel for and what I want to bring to as many people as I possibly can. I love that. So would you agree? I firmly believe that money cannot buy you happiness. However, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yes. <laughs> However, I do firmly believe that economic empowerment or financial stability, whatever you want to call it, is really does make life a little bit easier to digest and to mm -hmm. live day by day. Because when you do not have to, you don't have the stress of the of not knowing, right, either how you're going to feed your family or how you're going to get to work one day or how mm -hmm. you're going to afford the books that you need to be able to get the study and the degree so mm -hmm. that you can make a better living. When you do not have to worry about that, I do think things go a little bit smoother. And it mm -hmm. becomes a holistic sort of circular situation because, you know, as yogis may say, um, mm -hmm. you know, what you fear you bring near. Well, it's like, well, damn, if I'm a, yeah. <laughs> if I can't figure this out every day, am I actually yeah. attracting it? Help me out of this, you know, yeah. vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. And I firmly think that one of the ways to do that is through economic empowerment. Would yes. you agree with that? Yes, 100% um, wholeheartedly. And I've seen it. I've seen it over and over again. Um, and I just, that, it's amazing the things that come out of it. Yeah. 
No, I am. I believe me, I've I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, it, it was definitely a difficult time. And my parents were, you know, there for me if there, uh, God forbid, something really dramatic and tragic happened. Mm -hmm. But they also wanted to me to experience the hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't. It's not easy for me to get this, or I don't have this, or I, I don't have the money to do this. And, and they wanted me to experience how to get out of that myself. And mm -hmm. to your point, one of the ways that I did that, at least partially or whatever, is, um, is through education. So what yeah. role would you say? So two questions. Tell me about Ada. Mm -hmm. And then tell me what it is that the Developers Academy does for the participants in terms of education and experience. Yeah. Um, so Ada Developers Academy, um, it is a mission-driven nonprofit. It was based out of Seattle. We train women and gender expansive people to be software engineers. Wow. Um, there's a few organizations that are like it that I love that are, you know, training um, other, that are training folks to be going to IT, but, and, but you know, like I said, economic agency is my everything and software engineering is the jam when you're thinking yeah. about <laughs> money. Um, we are uh, a, a lot of things. We're a nonprofit. We are a social justice organization. We are an education institution. Um, we are trying to change the face of tech, which is, you know, that's, it's a uphill battle, but we're willing to go for it. Yes. What we do is we bring people who um, have some exposure to tech. Mm -hmm. You have gone on the internet, you have exhausted all the free elements you can possibly exhaust, and now you're ready to apply for our program. We take you from, you know, I would say on a scale of one to 10, we take you from a three to being a software engineer. Wow. We do that with some really intense training. Um, you're in class for six months, nine to five. Um, we know that our program is completely free for anyone that comes through, but we know oh, yeah. that free is not enough um, yeah. for the community that we, the communities that we want to really impact. So we offer a zero interest loan um, or a zero interest grant where we don't check your credit. We just want you to come through the door. Mm -hmm. um, we offer childcare subsidies because we know that like, you know, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to, you're going to need some childcare. Yeah. We offer you a free laptop if you need it, free therapy if you need it, um, yoga sessions, somatic healing sessions. We're really oh thinking gosh. about the, we, um, we holistic. Come from a place, yes, a holistic uh, approach on this, but we come from a place of if we can serve that person, the most marginalized person that we're trying to serve, if we can serve them really well, we'll everyone else will be fine. Mm. So that's who we build our program for. We build our pro program for that person that's been left out of this system. And then we want to bring you in and give you all the support you need. Um, the second half of the program is an on the job skill training with a tech company. So you do a six oh. month internship with one of our amazing partners. Um, Amazon is a huge one. Indeed, Microsoft, Google. Major. Nordstrom, major people that are chomping at the bit for more interns, which is why we are growing our program Wonderful. Um, and expanding to Atlanta and DC next. But we are, um, we're really just trying to I mean, there's so many amazing things that like that come out of it. My favorite, we've already talked about it, is the economics. Like the the salary rate change is 160 percent. People wow. come in Ada making 35, 40. They come out. Our average salary of our last cohort that we graduated in February was 125 thousand dollars. That blows my mind. This is one year. This is a 
you know, and we had a 92% placement rate for this oh cohort. This cohort was placed. They have jobs. They take a chance on us. And so at the end of the day, we're going to take a chance. Like, we're not going to give up on you. If you want to do this, we're going to get you there. Um, and so, yeah, and that's that, that salary rate change, but then, you know, diversifying the tech industry, we cannot let the future be written by a bunch of white dudes. Yeah. <laughs> it just I, can't I, happen. <laughs> I have so many questions for you about yeah. this. Oh my gosh. So, you are the vice president of revenue and strategy, correct? Yes, yes. Okay, so you definitely are in on behind the scenes. You're you're part of the entire process. Mm -hmm. So when you say you know ninety two percent success rate, that is incredible. I I love your mission. I love the story. Um, you're going to tell us later how we can you know contribute, how the mm -hmm. listeners can contribute and help support this incredible organization. Um, so tell me about where you've placed some of your your cohorts, some of your graduates. Yeah. I mean, I had mentioned them before. Our biggest, um, one of our largest one is Atlanta. I mean, I'm mm. sorry, Amazon. Amazon. We've paced a AWS. There's over a hundred of our students that work at Amazon. Wow. Indeed is probably our second largest partner. I think they have over 60 folks that work um, from, from the Austin to Seattle and around the United States. Yes. Um, Nordstrom's a huge one. But yeah, we have really good footholds in some of these companies. And it's amazing because these folks are not only changing the tech that they're writing, they're changing the culture of their companies. Yes. You know, we've had comp we've had folks, um, we've had folks, you know, they, you know, the offices um, that they're that they're naming, you know, conference rooms and offices. Maybe they're not being very inclusive when they're naming some of yes. these offices. Yes. So they're like, hey, you know, we're on indigenous land. Maybe we should be naming our offices after indigenous lands so we mm. can possibly make sure we're bringing enlightenment to folks. And yes. this is why I love serving women and gender expansive folks. They and and people from like the marginalized communities, they immediately don't think about themselves. Yes. They start thinking about like, how can I make sure I'm bringing my community up too? How can yeah. I help my community? Yeah. Um, and so that's just, they're changing so much around, um, around the tech industry, the code bit and being written, the culture in a company, um, the communities that they live in. I love it. You know, you mentioned something that was very poignant and I, and I, I want to bring it up again. I want you to touch upon it. But I think as I'm going to call myself a layperson, right, because I'm not in tech. Granted, I use it, you know, social media quite sparingly, if I may add. Um, right. But we all use the Internet. We all see, you know, that how we research something. And then, you know, two days later, that same thing yeah. that we were looking at that we actually didn't buy is popping up on our screen again. Yeah. But what I want to, you know, touch upon is how we all have heard about artificial intelligence. We've all have heard about machine learning and we've mm -hmm. all have written, you know, under, not all have written, but we all, I think, understand that codes and algorithms are really what run, you know, yes. all, all of this. <laughs> yeah. But I think sometimes I, I sometimes forget that there are actually software engineers and people behind the code, people mm -hmm. behind the algorithms, people behind the bots who have mm -hmm. been programmed to look for certain things to try to influence our behavior. And what you said about rewriting mm -hmm. the code of the coders, right? Or rewriting mm -hmm. the code of history is that you're right. The people who are currently coding or at least have coded in the past, they come from a certain type of experience or maybe a collection of, of experiences. And when you don't have representation by people who have other different perspectives and experiences, then our whole world will potentially be shaped by this one group of people. So touch yes. upon that and why you think 
and, and you have been touching upon it, but why, please re uh, reiterate and emphasize why diversity, equity, inclusivity, so important on not just, not just representation, but for making us better yes. and the whole world better. Yeah. There's, oh my gosh. There's right? so many, it's like, there's so many, like, just like, you know, like big examples. And then, I mean, I'll start with a little example. Yeah. My Alexa doesn't understand me. <laughs> what? <laughs> I paid for it. It's mine. But when, but I'm always like, and then my, my, my white partner comes and talk and says, you know, Alexa, please put, please put cheese on the grocery list. And I'm like, what the hell? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a part of our life. It's yeah. going to dictate more and more yes. on a really big, scary scale is, you know, yeah. they just did a, they were researching facial recognition. Oh. Um, Microsoft, IBM, um, another, I think it was just last year, another big Chinese um, uh, tech company. And they were researching, they took all three of these, um, these recognition systems. They put them all next to each other. Mm. And the results came back that these facial recognitions can identify 99% of white men correctly. Okay. And it could only recognize 35% of black women correctly. This is a facial recognition system that is being one that, that wants to be purchased by our U.S. government oh from gosh. it's going to be making decisions around hiring, loans, criminal searches. Dating. Um, Dating everything. It is yeah. going to be talked. It is going to be a part of our lives with everything we do. Pervasive. And it does not recognize my face. Mm. <laughs> like how terrifying is that? I yeah. mean, we have people like, you know, I think that this, this recently just happened. This is in the news right now. There was someone that was held for 14 days in jail. It was a white man held 14 days in jail because a facial recognition system had identified him improperly. Oh. Now we know historically what this will show. Like if this is a white man, this is happening to him. We know what this is going to look like when it comes For everybody to else. everybody else, basically. So we're like, okay, okay. So this has to be right. This can't be a system where, you know, that, that the people writing the code to determine this is all, is all white men. Now I went to a, um, I went to a, I'll just say a, a company, and we were testing out some virtual headsets. Okay. I had my hair in some straight backs that went into a bun, and <laughs> they tried to get me to put this thing on, and they, to put this thing over my head, it yeah. wouldn't fit over my head. And it was so funny because there was one woman on the team, yes. and she goes, I told you that women have buns in their hair and they cannot put this on. And they were like, they're sitting over there just like writing notes like, oh, this is a <laughs> but it's like, damn, y'all. But it, things can't change unless we're in the room, Yes. unless we're at the table. So we have to get at the table, you know, and then we have, you know, pe amazing people writing about um, AI that's inclusive of like over 150 different shades of brown. Mm. That's what we need in the room. Yeah. That is what we we have um you know when I put my hair up in Zoom, it Zoom doesn't recognize my bun yes. a lot of times. So it looks like I'm like a mole rat trying to talk <laughs> to people. And I'm like, wait, and then I look at my white friends, I'm like, well, how does your bun come out? <laughs> and they're like, this is weird. So I send Zoom a message. I'm like, I just want to let you know that like my braids aren't registering as a hair yeah. in your yeah. 
algorithm. And they, yeah. I get, I love the messages. I always get a message back and they're, we are sorry. We are working on being more inclusive. And then yeah. I go, Hey, have you heard of Ada developers Academy? Oh, good for you. You plug <laughs> it in. You plug <laughs> oh, it in. I plug. I you get it in. I plug because this is not okay. I have got, to, I want to literally and figuratively be seen in this tech, in this code. I want my children to be seen in this. Yeah. I want the, if this is what the future is, the future has to be written. Yes. We know what happens when white folks write the future. Yes. We cannot be written out of this. And so we have to make sure we have we are literally writing ourselves in there with our the code that we are writing. There um, also there also it. has to be some code behind, you know, those airport screening machines. Because oh, yeah. every time I wear braids, oh yeah. They'd be like, I, I get the yeah, I get the pat down. I'm like, they're <laughs> braids. You can actually see parts of my skull. Like, can you just like put a little bit of like, you know, just put something in for weight? Because <laughs> yeah. you know, my white friends again, they're walking in there with their hair behind their back and they don't get the pat down. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 butt is okay. <laughs> oh my god, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You're listening to part one of the Forever Fab podcast with my guest, Alexandra Holine. Stay tuned for part two. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.